Okay, so first thing, congratulations, Calgary Flames fans. You did well. You did. Uh, you followed the model. You, you followed what you were supposed to do yesterday, namely the standing ovation for Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Hockey makes his return to Calgary. Standing ovation as a video tribute is played. And then right away, you go about booing him the remainder of the game. Johnny Gaudreau, tough one on the penalty shot guy. And then tough turnover at the end, leading to the Dylan Dubé goal. Calgary beats the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime. Four-point night for William Nylander in Toronto as the Maple Leafs beat the New York Islanders. More on the Islanders here in a couple of moments because that is a team that is in capital T trouble right now. What do the Islanders do in advance of trade deadline time? Who do they think they are at this point, and what do they think they can achieve could we see a sell-off with the Islanders? Mayfield, Varlamov, Beauvillier. Tell me when to stop. Uh, Owen Power of the Buffalo Sabres is the first Sabres rookie defenseman to score in overtime since Nikita Zadorov in 2014. Uh, Craig Anderson, by the way, plays in game number 700. <laughs> Game number 700 yesterday for the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, Mike Harrington's tweet yesterday, um, Rasmus Dallin on Craig Anderson playing in game number 700. I know he's trying to compliment Anderson, but trust me, as someone who hears, you know, as, as younger and younger broadcasters enter the industry, I used to listen to you when I was a kid. Trust me, I know you mean it as a compliment, but ouch. Here's what Rasmus Dallin says about Craig Anderson. Quote, it's really insane for a goalie. We go to dinners and he tells us all the stories about what happened 15 years ago when I was barely born. (laughs) It's great to have him more. We're lucky to have him. He brings so much experience and he loves hockey, loves being around the guys. That's the type of hockey player I want to be when I'm in my 40s. He's a role model. Trust me, as someone who gets these types of compliments, we know you mean well, but congratulations to Craig Anderson, game number 700 yesterday. Pavel Bushnevich placed on the IR after undergoing a procedure for an infection in his ankle. Uh, Also in St. Louis Blues news, Vladimir Tarasenko and Tori Krug both uh, activated off IR. I know a lot of eyes on Vlad Tarasenko Where will he end up come trade deadline time? And could it be that team that I just mentioned, the New York Islanders? Uh, Chris Letang will be a game-time decision tonight. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins facing off against the Florida Panthers. Uh, The New York Rangers call up Will Cooley as well. Uh, He'll make his NHL debut tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Listen, watched him plenty in the OHL. Congratulations uh, to the Ontario kid making his debut against the Maple Leafs tomorrow. And also, uh, full strength and support to Bob Jones, assistant coach of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, The team announcing today he has been diagnosed with ALS. I first met Bob when he was assistant coach uh, with a two-time Memorial Cup champion Windsor Spitfires, a wonderful coach, uh, a wonderful guy, and from every corner of the hockey world, uh, strength and support to the assistant coach of the Ottawa Senators, Bob Jones, uh, in his fight. So a couple of other things that I I just want to mention off the top here. The Calder race is always a fun one to watch, and I know that Matt Beneers, in a lot of ways, might be running away with these this award, I know a lot of people will make noise for Logan Thompson, um, etc. However, Cole Perfetti doesn't feel like a rookie, but he is. 
He is very much a rookie. Eight points behind Matt Beneers for the rookie scoring lead and no power play time for Cole Perfetti. Voting on this one is going to be fascinating. Who plays how many minutes? Um, Cole Perfetti has 150 minutes less ice time than Matty Beneers does. No power play time. If you look at even strength um, production per 60, even strength points per 60, Cole Perfetti leads all rookies. Um, the rookie of the year is always an interesting one, much like the Selkie is always an interesting one where the stat heads gets out, get out and, and sharpen the pencils. Um, Cole Perfetti making a lot of noise here as he chases down Matty Beneers. And, you know, the thing might be over if the Winnipeg Jets would ever give Cole Perfetti um, some time on the power play. Uh, lots to get to today. Uh, this one's going to be a busy show. Tonight, Rick Tockett makes his be- uh, debut behind the bench as the Vancouver Canucks face off against the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, I was talking to someone this morning who was, you know, bringing up the point, and we've talked about it before. This is a tough spot for Rick Tockett to go into. It's always challenging when you walk into the shoes of someone, you know, who became a legend, at least a cult hero in Vancouver inside of one season, the much-beloved head coach, former head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, Bruce Boudreau, on his his way back to to Hershey today, I believe. I think he caught a flight this morning. Um, This will be a tough one for Rick Tockett and his staff, but eyes on the Vancouver Canucks, what the changes will be if there's a change in performance and what the future is for the Vancouver Canucks because... The next generation of Vancouver hockey begins tonight, and this show begins now. Welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Here we go. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, coming up in hour two, Louis DeBrusque from the NHL and Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Um, don't look now, but the Oilers are hot, winning uh, six games in a row. Um, two or less than four of the six wins. Jack Campbell, that's been a good news story lately. Stu Skinner, ditto. I know we talk a lot about Connor and Leon, but how about Ryan and Zach? Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman having outstanding seasons as well. We'll get into those two gentlemen and the entire Oilers team with Louis DeBrus coming up in hour two. Kevin Kurz of The Athletic. Well, talk to us about the Islanders who are sputtering. And we saw this last night. They're 1-6-3 and three in their last 10. And it feels very much like the season is beginning to slip away from them. And if you watched last night's Maple Leafs Islanders game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We'll begin there with Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, Friedman, I want to start by talking about the Islanders-Leafs game from last night. Uh, I want to get the, the Maple Leafs thoughts on this one. William Nylander with uh, the headlines and the four, the four points. Um, but I know we've talked about the Islanders recently, and yesterday was another page uh, in this really difficult chapter of the New York Islanders. One six and three in their last ten, and you know there were times last night where this team just looked flat and listless and out of it. Your thoughts on the Islanders right now? Well, I, I saw when I, watching that game last night. Like we, I was on your show yesterday, and we talked about how the Islanders don't have natural goal scoring, right? Like they, they have guys who work hard, who can score. They have Barzell, who's a great assist guy, a great creator. They have Lee Geneman in the front of the net, and he can score like he showed last night. They have Nelson, guys like that too. Um, but, you know, they don't have any natural goal scorers, guys who can kind of create their own thing and score. And I, that was the difference last night. Like you look at it's one nothing after a period, and – in the second period when some of Toronto's talent gets going, and particularly Nylander, 
to me, that was the difference between two, those two teams. Toronto has players who can create chances um, and, and, and nail those chances. And the Islanders, they just have to work so much harder than Toronto does to score goals. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about this before, and I've always pointed to the presence of someone like Phil Kessel, who, I mean, there's a real luxury in having players that can score easy goals. And these players do exist. Seldom do they ever get moved, but nonetheless, they, they have been. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko was activated today. I know we've talked about him with the Islanders, and there's been, you know, conversations at least between the two sides um, about uh, Tarasenko with the Islanders. You wonder if those trade talks pick up now. I'll tell mm-hmm. you, I don't know if... I don't know if Columbus would ever do it, and I don't even know how the Islanders would even begin to think about fitting it into their cap structure. But if I put the name Patrick Line out there, just as far as someone that can score easy goals and easy goals from, from distance, again, this is just spitballing on a Tuesday afternoon, everybody. Would that be a name that would have any resonance, you think? Are you trying to get me radio today? Like, Jeff, I'm trying to have a quiet day. Uh, we're just I'm talking. trying to write my we're just blog. Talking. We're just throwing things against the wall, buddy. It's just two guys over a coffee at the coffee shop having a chit-chat. But, I mean, even if not line A, just someone like that. Well, I think it's not a To your point, it takes so much energy for the Islanders to score a goal. <laughs> Like by the by the by the time they score, like they look just like they look exhausted. Then if a team scores right away after that, they just look defeated. Like when you have to grind for every single goal, the games are yeah. hard, man. Like you need someone just I to agree. come down the wing and snap a couple in and just release valve. And there are guys that are like that around the NHL. They don't get moved, but Line A can be a guy like that. Or someone like Line A. I, I, I agree. I I don't think you're wrong. I just I I just know like when I say yes. That's perfect. Where it's going to go, I like. You know, I, I, the, the other thing too about Liney that's really interesting, and and I, like I haven't had these conversations with anyone, so I don't know where this is going to go. But Liney is on the edge of unrestricted free agency. He's a year away. So I like. I think that the UFA twenty. Yeah. So I, I think that the you know I, I think the interesting thing is not only going to be. Um, in terms of what where Lonnie is a fit, because I agree with you, the Islanders would be a perfect place for for a player like him. But what's the contract going to be? Oh, you know, this, this, I know this one. He's, this, like, this he's one, an interesting guy. He's never been afraid of short term. You know, he he's taken his qualifying offer or, or one year deals before. He took a short term deal in Winnipeg before he was traded. Like this is a guy who's not afraid of that kind of thing. So I'm I'm like. We, we've never heard about him, um, you know, meeting long-term or what it would be. And, you know, he's always shown that he's not afraid to march to the beat of his own drummer. So when I, like, I think right. it makes perfect sense that he would, he could, he could fit on the Islanders if he's not in Columbus, but I'd be curious to see like, what's it going to take to do that? You know, I, I, I see that. And and listen, that carries the assumption that the Islanders are prepared to double down on the season and not bail. Like at a, at a certain point, you you say to yourself, we've talked about this before. You know, with all of our careers, we've all hit that we've all hit that spot where the decision is: Do I need to work harder or should I quit? And does it feel like the Islanders are at a spot where they need, where they're saying to themselves, "Do we need to work harder at making this work, or do we need to tuck tail and bail on this?" 
I don't know, but it kind of feels like that's where the Islanders are at. Like they're at that point saying, have we got the most we can get out of this group and we need to, or do we need to, you know, we, we need to double down on them. I don't know. How do you feel about it? On like, like, oh, like the Islanders in the future kind of thing. Well, here, so here, here's, here's my, here's what I wonder about the Islanders under the mm-hmm. umbrella of, do we need to quit or do we need to work harder, which we've all faced in our careers and there's no obvious okay. right choice. I don't know if the Islanders feel like this is as far as they can get with this group and this group can't give them any more. Now, listen, I know injuries are an issue here, so that's the caveat. Do they think that they've gotten as far as they can with this group and maybe it's time for some type of rebuild? Or do they say, no, there's still more here and what we need are more players to complement the Barzells and the Baileys and the Lees and the Pulaks and the Dobsons, etc.? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting situation for them because they went pretty far. Um, they went pretty far with this group, right? Like they, they went to a yep. couple of Stanley Cup semifinals. Final. But now I think yeah. you have to realize that the window is closed on that particular way of doing things, on, on this particular group. So I, 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 think mm-hmm. that, I think the question now becomes where do you go? You know, who, like, what's your direction from here? Where, where does this take you? Like, you know, as, as, we, as you said, you've got good D, and, but you've got to find a score. And so how do you get to that? Scoring is the toughest thing to get. How do you get it? Yep. So, like, I, I just wonder if the philosophy is going to change. Like, like I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, yesterday um, someone told me they heard that the Islanders were looking around at Chikrin, and it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, because one of the things that Lane Lambert talked about at the morning skate was, you know, they've got one of the problems they have is breaking out of their own zone. Now, Pellick's been hurt, so that affects their game a little bit, although he was back last night. Um, You know, they have have a D, so I'm not sure that that's going to work. But, like, the other thing, too, is is that knowing what the price is for Chikrin, because you've been talking about it, uh, as Bieksa says, every week for the last six months, uh, I, I don't. I don't know if it makes sense for the Islanders to pay that. Yeah. Like, if if you're worried yeah. you're going to miss the playoffs and you need to add young talent, like I I don't know if that makes sense for me. So I think the the question is going to become: Okay, you had a great run with this group. It's probably at the end. So where do you adjust to now? And I I think all of their, I think all of their resources should be poured into finding a score. Like, how do you find a score? Last time I checked, there weren't any on the trees. Um, That generally is draft and develop, uh, and teams hang on to those players as precious. But I'm, listen, I'm with you. Uh, I think that needs to be job number one. Uh, Okay, so off the Islanders page, uh, the other side of the rink, the Maple Leafs, you know, William Nylander was a star last night with four points. I know a lot is made about, oh, all-star snub this, and I know Buffalo's all bent out of shape about Rasmus Dahlin and big win for the Sabres last night, but just your thoughts on on William Nylander in general, your thoughts on the performance (laughs) last night. I, I stay away from the conversations about all-star snubs. I don't get mm-hmm. worked into a lather about who goes to the all-star game or not. Just curious your thoughts on William Nylander and the, and the season he's having right now. Well, I, I don't, I, I don't really worry about, um, <coughs> I don't really worry about all-star snubs too much either. It's not something I get worked up about. 
but you know, for the sake of this conversation, I've had this I've had this talk with the commissioner before. With and what Bettman says to me is, and he said it to other people. It's not only he said it to me. He said that he never wants to give one of his uh, markets a reason not to watch the All Star games. He thinks it's very important yeah. that fans in every market have a reason to watch the All-Star game. And while I don't always agree with it, um, you know, I know I'm not going to change his mind. Once he's decided something, he's, he's staying with it, see expanded playoffs. Um, and yep. uh, whether I disagree with it or not, that's, that's the way he is. And I do, like, I do understand that to, to some degree. I, I do. You know, Nylander absolutely deserves to be an All-Star this year. On, on face value, that's it's true. He, he absolutely deserves to be there. I just think that when you have a guy like Matthews, who's the face, who's one of the faces of the league, if he's not Toronto's guy, he's going to end up there somehow. And, um, you know, the one thing I think this year that is unfortunate is that it's very rare that the home market doesn't get loaded with all-stars. And I know there's this very yep. big debate about how legit this voting was. And I know, Jeff, that you personally fixed it in certain ways. But one of the things I, one of the, one of the no, things. No, Sprong's I, not there. Yeah, Daniel Sprong's not Daniel there. Daniel Sprong didn't make it. <laughs> one, one of the things I absolutely thought was going to happen that did happen was that the Panthers might get hosed as the home team because they just don't have the base that some of these other teams have. And that's, that looks like it's exactly yeah. what's happened. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Ottawa Senators. Uh, wanted to mention this yesterday, but we didn't get to it. Uh, actually, before we talk about anything about the Ottawa Senators, um, and I mentioned this off the top for each, uh, our thoughts and sending you know everything, strength, support, everything to Bob Jones and his family and friends. Yeah. Um, in what is going to be a courageous, um, a courageous battle against against ALS. I was mentioned off the top. I, I first met Bob. When he was uh, an assistant coach with the Windsor Spitfires, DJ Smith would have been on that bench as well. Um, great coach, you know, w- wonderful guy. You know, we, we send uh, all of our all of our thoughts and and energy his way in uh, in, in his fight against this one. Um, on the <clears> ice, <throat> the Josh Norris story. We've we've seen players, you know, just try to rehab injuries. Listen, we saw Shane Pinto do this last year. Um, yeah. Josh Norris, season-ending shoulder surgery. Um, again, we've talked about Ottawa and how the season hasn't gone the way that they planned on the ice, and now you throw this injury into it. Like, we looked at the Senators at the beginning of the season, and what did we kind of say? This is a really good team. We'll see how far they get, but they need to stay healthy. Everybody is important. I know he's already missed the three months, and now he's gone for the rest of the season. This, I don't want to say this cinches it for the Ottawa Senators, but it kind of feels this way for each. Well, I, I think we all see where this is going, unfortunately. Um, you know, first of all, as you mentioned, uh, it was good to see him on the ice this morning, the assistant coach. Like, you, you try to keep yeah, as much fun. normalcy as you as you can. And uh, uh, ALS is, is awful. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of examples of it in hockey. And I was just glad to see him on the ice this morning because it, you just try to to keep your life as relatively normal as you can. Yeah, I agree with you. Everybody's wishing for the best. You know, as for the Sanders, you know, the Norris thing, I, I look, I, uh, some people have asked me, do you think anything nefarious went on here? 
And I have no reason to believe there is. And the other thing I think we're learning is that if there is something, it's going to get out. Like, you know, you and I did a lot of, oh, yeah. of, the, of the Eichel work. Um, and we were, we were dealing with that a lot about the battle between Eichel and the Sabres. I mean, we saw what happened a couple of years, weeks ago with Quinn Hughes, Tanner Pearson, and the Canucks. And, and that got out, and the, and the Canucks had to address it publicly. Um, you know, I, I think that if there was any issue here, uh, we, we will find out. Now, the one thing about Norris is it's not unusual. We've seen this a lot for players to say, look, you can, you can have a choice. You can do rehab or you can do surgery. Well, how long if it's rehab? It's X. Well, how long if it's surgery? It's usually X plus. Like, it's usually a lot more after surgery. And Norris, knowing because knowing he's had injuries like this before, I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, you know what, I want to give it a shot and see if I can do it this way. And then he finds out he can't. Mm. But if there's an issue there, we'll figure it out. I mean, you know, the, the thing with the Sanders, Jeff, is that they just haven't defended well enough. You know, in this league, you know, even the best teams, they spend almost half the game without the puck. So if you don't have the puck, how are you getting it back? You know, can, can you check? That's the one thing I always remember that Bob, Bob Ginny always used to say. If you can't check, you can't win the cup. And the game has changed a lot, but I don't think that's changed at all. If you can't, one of the reasons the Bruins are as good as they are, they can check. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, and I, I, think that's, I think that's a big thing. Ottawa's still learning. You have to be able to defend. And I'm just curious to see all their new lines tomorrow night because Smith has kind of changed them a bit. I'm just curious to see how it all works. Uh, and I'm curious to see how the St. Louis Blues work now. Like, they're, they're one of those teams, and, you know, we'll see what happens post-All-Star when some, maybe some, some more decisions get made and uh, discussions heat up. Um, you know, I'm looking at a team like Nashville, and I'm looking at a team like St. Louis, and I'm saying, okay, I know it might be a tough slog for them to make it into the playoff picture and how packed things are right now, but if they don't, you know, who becomes available? Like with Nashville, I wonder about a Matthias Ekholm. I know he has term, but I, I, I just wonder about that. Like if they fall out of it, Nashville needs to, to do something. I wonder if that's an area where things happen. I think with St. Louis, we look at the expiring contracts, whether it's O'Reilly, whether it's Vlad Tarasenko, and we say if they really fall out of this thing and they're going to have to do something and make a charge here, but if they fall out of it, we expect those two names and maybe some surprise names as well. How do you see St. Louis? Krug is back now. Tarasenko returns. I know we talked about him yesterday vis-a-vis the Islanders uh, from a year and a half ago. How do you see the Blues at this point? Uh, I, I think it's, I, I think, well, look, I remember we were expecting the great American sell-off in 2019, and we didn't get it, and they won the cup. Now, I don't think this yeah. team is that. Uh, but, you know, look, do I think is going to get traded? Yes, I think he will. Do I think O'Reilly's going to get traded? Yes, I'm coming more around to that. Absolutely. But I think they've got some other pieces, Achari, uh Barbashev, I, I think that's a guy that's going to have some heat with him because of how well he's played a depth role before. Uh, Mikola, defenseman, I, I've heard a couple teams talking about him. 
the guy, not only does he have big pieces to move, but he's got smaller fit pieces to move too. And I think there's going to be a lot of action around them. And, uh, look, like the, the thing is, does he really think he's got a team that's capable there of winning the Stanley cup? Um, I think maybe he did before. Uh, I don't think he's got that now. Like I, I'm looking at the standings, Jeff. Like, like you take a look at like it's it's them in Nashville, kind of. You know, Calgary. They they jumped into the playoffs with the win last night. But you're looking at Colorado. Mm. Their their winning percentage is 589. Like that. Like yeah. you got to like basically if you want to make the Western playoffs right now. You got to think you can beat out the Avalanche, and I know the Wild are kind of slipping a little bit right now, but Nashville and St. Louis—they've played. They're up there in the games played, and they're already anywhere from four to five points out of the playoffs. Like that, the math isn't good. You've really got to convince yeah. me that those two teams are good enough to make it and win. You know, you mentioned uh, Nico Mikola a couple of seconds ago. You know who I wonder about with them? Who? Edmonton. Edmonton Oilers. We know they're looking for a left-side defenseman. He is nasty. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about Gavrikov with teams like Edmonton. I wonder about Nico Mikola. And the Blues and Oilers have done deals before. They do. They absolutely have. I, I wonder if that could be a fit here. Yeah, like, I I think Mikola is a really good under-the-radar. It is a really good under-the-radar pickup. I, I like him, too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts on Johnny Hockey last night? It was it was the, uh, the Matthew Kachuk model. It was the standing ovation uh, with the video tribute, and then it was booing every time he touched the puck, and the place went crazy when he uh, failed on his penalty shot. And I'm sure they snickered at the turnover that led to the Dylan Dubé goal. Uh, your thoughts on the return of Johnny Gaudreau to Calgary last night? Well, first of all, I, they absolutely needed that one. The Flames did. They could not let that one get away. After the early lead and just knowing where they are, they could not let that one get away from them. That was a huge game for them. You know, the, the other thing, too, is like I have no problem with the way fans react as long as it doesn't get abusive and as far as I know there was nothing like that they just booed him really loudly I thought it was hilarious that the Blue Jackets fans uh, Blue Jackets players <laughs> did that at the morning skate like I think the team so good. no matter how everybody feels I think the team has an obligation to do the video and they did and that's important totally. and, and the fans have every right to act the way that they want as long as it's not over the line. And I don't have any knowledge right now that it was over the line. And, you know, credit to him. Yeah. What did he have? Two assists? And then, of co- and then, of course, in overtime, uh, I think he was maybe going for the call and that blew up in his face. Uh, but, uh, like, I-, I don't have any problem with all this. The team did. The-, the team has a responsibility, I think, to do the video. They did it. And the fans could act the way they want. And they did. And, uh you know, uh, I I don't have any problem. I thought it was an entertaining game, and I thought it was a game Calgary absolutely could not afford to lose. You cannot cough up that hairball, particularly when you're already up two yeah. to nothing. All right, so I've buried the lead right to the end of this half-hour segment. 
Okay. Rick Tockett's debut behind the bench tonight for the Vancouver Canucks. My eyes will be on how he uses JT Miller specifically. Yep. As we talked about yesterday, it looks like that's a that's a big project in uh, in Rick Tockett's mind. Uh, what will you be looking for tonight? Like I think we're all watching this one, Vancouver and Calgary. Like we're all we're they're two non-playoff teams. We're fascinated by the matchup because of the new coach and everything that's happened with with Bruce Boudreaux previous. I'm looking for how he handles Miller. What are you looking at tonight? Well, I, I think usage is a big one. Uh, Miller Patterson. Do they get used less? How do they um, how do they handle that? I think that's absolutely true. But the number one thing I'm looking for. Is, um, is, is, is the penalty kill. Because if you look at Tockett's history, his penalty kill in Arizona was really good. And Vancouver's penalty kill has been very poor. So immediately, like one of the things you're, you're looking for right away is, what are a coach's strength? And if you look at his history, strength is penalty kill. Yeah. Do we see a difference tonight? Do we see a difference in the personnel? Do we see a difference in the way they kill? I think, <laughs> to me, um, that's going to be... I mean, I understand why Miller's number one on everybody's list. I, I think we all get that. Uh, so I, I would yep. defer that that's probably the right answer. I guess for me, penalty kill is, is what I'm looking at. We shall see. Uh, we'll be watching this one this evening. You can watch it as well on Sportsnet Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we hope to see you there um all right vancouver and the blackhawks get underway at 10 o'clock eastern the early game the florida panthers facing off against the pittsburgh penguins we'll talk to josh gets off here in a couple of moments thanks as always for each enjoy the rest of your afternoon all right you too take care buddy so your, your, your headline is Line A to the Islanders, just so I get this correct for the remainder. Frege says Line A to the Islanders. Very good. Um, don't radio them, everybody. Uh, mention the Penguins and the Panthers. That one underway at 7 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet. Uh, we'll talk to Josh Getzoff, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you know when a coach says game-time decision, it usually means, yeah, he's playing, but I ain't saying Mike Sullivan said as much about Chris Letang. We'll start there with Josh Getzoff as the Americ Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.